Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. Today's podcast is brought to you by Creative Circle, our friends at Creative Circle, our newest sponsor. Whether you're in need of creative talent or you're a creative looking for new opportunities, now is the time to contact your local Creative Circle office. They can help assess your needs and thanks to their innate understanding of the creative mindset, they can provide candidates ideally suited to fulfill them. They represent top talent in all areas of the industry and they put the talent at your disposal quickly and easily with minimal hassle on your part. So check out their website today at creativecircle.com or connect with the St. Louis office at 877-851-3066. That's 877-851-3066. All right, everyone on today's show, Jennifer and I are Happy to welcome our guest as part of the Legends series. Uh, Bob Cuneo certainly fulfills that role. He is the chief creative officer and founder of Barato Creative Insight. And if you are a creative in this business, one thing you would love to get before you start a brief is a killer insight. And that's what Bob Cuneo does. He uh, started as one of us. He built a career as an art director and then switched to building this business. His story is awesome. We talk about all that kind of stuff and a whole lot more. So enjoy our talk with Bob Cuneo. It was actually pretty fascinating. We, uh, it's a conference, okay. and everyone there is either the CEO or owner of a research firm. That's 40 to maybe 50 people. Some of the firms are three, two, three, four hundred million dollar firms. I mean, wow. And yeah, massive. Uh, are, are bigger, and then there's us. <laughs> <laughs> but you fit in the crowd? We did. We're, not, we're certainly not the smallest. And in yeah. the, the whole qualitative world of research, we would, we're, we're again, kind of in the middle. There's a lot of very small mom and pop type operations, mm -hmm. uh, but we're, we're uh, much bigger than they are. Yeah. And then there's the giant multinationals yeah. that we compete against, yeah. frankly, on a, on a weekly basis yeah. that we're a lot smaller than. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more scrappy. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Jen's here. Hey, Hi. Jen. Hi there. <laughs> Bob Cooney is here. It's exciting. Do yeah, you want to kick us off, Jen, since you, you sure. know the guests more than me? You can start the grilling. For how many years? <laughs> I know. How oh, long? Gosh. Do you guys know each other? Uh, um, 17. I can answer that. Wow. Yeah. Since 2000. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Since I started dating her girlfriend. So. Is that how it happened? Yeah. That's right. Oh, it wasn't yeah. an industry hookup. It was a girlfriend hookup. Well, You're still I with the girlfriend. I am, as a wow. matter of fact. Yeah, yeah you made her a wife. Yeah. Good for her. A mom, and a you. wife, all those things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking to Bob Cuneo today, who is the uh, founder and co-owner of uh, Brado Creative Insight. Brado Creative Insight with Brado umlauts. Brado Creative Insight. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that people will actually think of bra instead of Brado and Brado yeah. and all of that, so... Yeah, and um, we're going to ask you a few questions about what you're doing now, but we really want to go back in time and kind of um, yeah. just, we want to hear more about your journey. But tell us, give us like just a couple of sentences on what you're doing now. Yeah. So Brado is a, a strategic marketing research firm. What our job is to get our clients aligned on a creative strategy. Mm -hmm. And the, the point of that is that once you have that alignment, both with your agency, 
the 47 stakeholders that work for the brand mm -hmm. uh, and upper management, then that's when amazing executions can happen. Uh, we see that time and time again, that if you can get that alignment, then that's an opportunity for the ad agencies to be far more creative and everybody's comfortable with it mm -hmm. because we're all in alignment on what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, Tell like us that. about some of your big clients. So we have um, about 20 Fortune 500 clients. Um, we really only work on large businesses. About half of our little, now it's about 60% of our business is global. Okay. So most of our work is outside the U.S., um, the biggest clients. Are they U.S. companies or are they foreign yeah, companies? They yeah, they are. We've, doing... we've occasionally get projects from foreign someone brands. like Unilever sure. is out of London. Yeah. So they've called or KFC out of London called one time. That was pretty remarkable. But our biggest clients are BMS, Bristol-Myers Squibb, mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson, and Merck. About 50% of our business is in pharmaceutical. The rest is in kind of classic packaged goods business. We yeah. do a ton of work with... Purina on innovation. We work with uh, Verizon. Uh, they're new. They're new this year. Um, and so it's a really nice mix of business. Yeah. No, no one client dominates more than about 20, 25% maybe is our yeah. biggest, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's a really, it's a, it's, we are very fortunate. We have a, a wonderful portfolio of businesses. I'm curious about when you said 50% is pharma, is, was that intentional or is that something that just happened? Uh, it just happened. <laughs> you know, I'd love you to say it was intentional. And... Yeah. So yeah. here's the thing about pharmaceuticals. When we got into this, it was because somebody at JWT, who we'd been working with in non-pharma categories, said, oh my God, we got to get you in, involved with pharma because our pharma clients are far behind in terms of their creativity uh -huh. and understanding what ad agencies do. And we often work as a liaison between clients and their agencies in terms of developing strategies and thinking about their businesses. Yeah. And uh, so we started working with Merck, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe more than that. And they quickly, you know, they just gobble you up. I mean, the more they just realize, oh my gosh, you know more than just pharma. Yeah. And so you, you, we, we intentionally limit the amount of pharma we can take so that we don't become a pharma just agency. A, wow. in, in that world, uh, you'd be amazed at how many ad agencies there are that are just pharma. Right. Wow. Every major organization, so the WPPs, the Omnicoms, mm -hmm. they have multiple ad agencies within just the pharma yeah. space. Mm -hmm. There's so much money there, and we yeah. have to work very hard to not let that happen to us. Right. It, it, I think it. I had a dream like I would be a pharma creative because of those the television shoots are so fun. Oh. It's like cast a bunch of beautiful people, go to the coolest place on the planet and shoot four hours of B-roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll tell you what. And we're going to run some voiceover about a drug. No question. And I'll, t I'll tell you what, though. So every time we hire, um, we have about 45 people now. Yeah, which is, um, yeah, that's cool. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, because just two and a half years ago, we had 18 or three yeah. years ago, we had 18. So, yeah, it's just been... Really nice, and yeah. we're still turning down. I think we turned down 25 projects last year. We left a million dollars in fees sitting on the <laughs> on the table because we just couldn't take the business. Creative people are in the wrong. Yeah, you go upstream, yeah. baby. So the thing is about pharma world. When yeah. you ask our creative strategists, what job was the one that they remember most, or that they had the most? fun mm -hmm. working on, yeah. it's always a pharma job. It is. So really? while they're the most difficult, yeah. the most trying, they, but you know, um, we've spent the last few years interviewing late stage cancer patients. 
So the uh, most rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, yeah. you know, I talked to, I literally interviewed uh, uh, people with schizophrenia. In, you know, and it's a one on one interview with someone with schizophrenia. Yeah. And, and in the middle of the interview, you see wow. they're having an episode and you're wow. going, okay, now what? Now what do we do? How do we handle this conversation? Yeah. You know? So now they're always the more fascinating projects just because they're. Uh, they're just more intense. They're, you know, and I, I love selling beer and mm-hmm. I love selling dog food, but you know what? I can, we can change a life. Yeah. Not that you can't change a life with a great beer yeah. or a good dog food, but, yeah. but, <laughs> but great beer can take you far. Yeah, it can, it can get you somewhere, yeah. but I, I'm telling you when you're talking to somebody and you, you know, like one of our projects was working on Gardasil, which is Merck's HP, HPV vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking to mothers about their 10 or 11 year old daughter mm-hmm. and, and, and now son mm-hmm. and trying to convince them to take a vaccine, get a vaccine that will prevent uh, cervical cancer that's caused from a sexually transmitted disease. And I don't know how many mothers right. ever want to think yeah. that their 10 year old, that's just not when you're thinking about right. that, you know, right. but you have to vaccine before they get it. Wow. So, you know, it's things like that. Yeah. It's just, it, they're fascinating problems, which mm-hmm. by the way, kind of a funny aside, while we're working on the introduction of Gardasil, we were working uh, with Unilever's Axe, brand. So we're working with the girls to try to keep them from getting this STD. And we're working with the boys to try to get them, you know, there, you know, so it was, it was kind of a fascinating crazy focus group. Yeah. It was a crazy time in our life. Wow. So that all that, you know, rewarding experience that you described, um, working with, um, cancer patients or working with, um, brands that make a difference. Did you feel that way when you worked in traditional advertising? I'd love to say yes to that because it did matter a lot to me. You know, the passion was mm-hmm. always there. It's not like it goes away, you know, but I, I would say it was not near as, um, as rewarding to work for Chi Chi's restaurants, for example, when yeah. I did that for two years, when I was at Darcy, um, it was more fun working for Skittles and Budweiser than it was Chi Chi's, but it still wasn't the same as, as seeing how these people's lives are affected and, you know, people bash the whole pharma industry, but um, yeah, they're making a difference. I was going to ask that. Like, people bash the whole pharma industry. Oh, they do. And I would and be right there with them if I wasn't working with them, right. I think, because I wouldn't know what I know today. Yeah, and what do you know? When you, go all, when you go anywhere in the world and you talk to oncologists and cardiologists and any other ologist mm-hmm. in any other part of the world, they'll all say... The U.S. is where all the innovation comes from. That's where all the amazing drugs come from. If it wasn't for the U.S., we wouldn't have these things. There are people today that are surviving melanoma. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Carter is an example of that. I mean, there's people surviving melanoma because of U.S. drug companies. And so we can tell everybody that all oh, this should be free. And if it was, what would happen right. is they wouldn't, there'd be no incentive to right. do those drugs. And yeah. should we all just be, you know, humanitarians and, and do all these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. Is it going to happen? Mm, no. Right. So, I, you know, I do have a different take on it. I, I think um, we work on, you know, think about this. You and I have worked on mm-hmm. new products at yeah. Anheuser-Busch, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. We used to see if we could get a product to market. Sometimes in six weeks, Mr. Yeah. Bush would call me into his office and go, you know, I need this thing. We're going we're gonna to introduce this thing in six weeks. So you better yeah. get in there. You better make this happen. The lead time for some of these pharma products is 10, 12 years. So think of the money and the effort and the manpower they're pouring into this thing over that time frame. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it is expensive. Some of these yeah. drugs that we're working on, it's a hundred grand for a year to be on this drug. Wow. That's crazy. But it is mm-hmm. saving that life. And it was your yeah. mother or your wife. Yeah. Would, would you worry be. about yeah. it? Just, and you know hey. what? Everybody gets it paid for somehow. Yeah. 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 And so if, you can say what you want. It, it, I, I actually, I do have a different take on it. Yeah. yeah. And you want it to take 10 years because you want, when somebody <laughs> yeah, takes right. that drug, you want, you, you know, you want there you to be some research been, behind it. Yeah. Right. 10 years of knowledge behind it. Right. And it is, it's a big, and then they lose their patent in seven years. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have seven so, years to maximize. Yeah. You've got to get all your money out of that or right. that drug that, you know, um, you, you work on a hypertension drug. Lipitor, mm-hmm. most the biggest selling drug in, in probably in history, or at least certainly among them. Well, now that drug is five dollars. Every yeah. every right. every drug, you know, every Walgreens in the world, you can get a, yeah. a month's supply for five dollars. Yeah. Yeah, Think of we the money just, they had. In we were that. just talking about that at lunch with Prozac. Yeah. Oh, the, how we were all popping yeah. them at lunch. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, we weren't doing that. Um, so, Bob, some people listening might know you as an agency guy, right? Yeah, That's where right. you started. Um, can you tell us a little bit about just your history yeah. with the agencies where you director. started? Yeah. yeah, I started as an yeah. art, director, art director, right? Started as an art director, yeah. uh, worked. Uh, my first job was at Darcy uh, when it was still Darcy, McManus, and Macias. And then I moved to Hughes Advertising for five or six years, worked in some other, worked at Gardner, went back to Darcy, worked at uh, TBWA for a couple of years, did the kind of classic creative guy, moved from place to place, yeah. each time a little better job, better, mm-hmm. better clients, more fun things to do, yeah. was the executive creative director at uh, TBWA and at um, Glennon, Glennon okay, yeah. for a couple of years. Okay. It was really rewarding. Um, I loved that time. Mm-hmm. I did. For me, that was so much about managing people, mm-hmm. uh, and and I, you know, and I always had this sort of desire to be more on the strategic side of things. Yeah. I don't. Uh, by the way, I think that the work that I'm doing today and that our company does is far far more creative than the work that I was doing when I was writing ads or producing a television commercial or art directing. I I can assure you the 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 creativity that's required to get to that strategy, to get to the insight that we provide our clients is it's much greater than the creativity it took for me to have a really clever turn of phrase or wow. something. So I well, and what I, you I do now it. that That's was crazy. sort of missing from agencies, right? The yeah. function that it was certainly missing from me. Yeah. You know, I felt like um, to, to to sit down and to talk to people about why the idea behind this is so critical, when in fact, and especially you got to understand the time when I made this shift, um, Anne Heiser Bush, it was all about talk value. And I realized... What, what years was this? Uh, so think Late about... 90s? Yeah, yeah. About, so 98. Okay. The we opened in 96, but we didn't become an ad agency. All right, we, we quit being an ad agency in the early... Uh, like, I think we finally got rid of our last client in about 2001. Mm-hmm. So we actually had to make a transition from an ad agency yeah. to a research firm. Okay. And uh, it was, it wasn't easy, yeah. but we never, you know, we never let anybody go. We, you know, we, we, we made the transition smoothly. We yeah. had to talk to some clients about not creating ads for them anymore. The thing was in the industry at that time. So think frogs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Budweiser yeah. and, that, and yeah. great work. Great. Yeah. Mike and Dave, great, great work that they did, but that's how things worked. Mm-hmm. And so you needed a giant pool of, of creatives and ideally you wanted, you know, you wanted as many as you could have. Well, 
I didn't see how we in St. Louis and especially as a startup could compete with, uh, you know, the DDBs of the world. And mm -hmm. that's who I wanted to compete with. Yeah. I didn't want to play on a small level. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to, I wanted to play in, in, you know, in the big pond and, mm -hmm. and there was no chance of that. I mean, mm -hmm. we weren't going to have the creative firepower to actually compete with those people. We would have needed multiple teams. And you could argue maybe if I was more creative, I wouldn't have needed all those people, but that's just not reality. Right. So uh, Steve Nalo and I partnered then to really form what we're doing today. We had made some decisions. To, we made a conscious decision to move from ad agency to research firm. But we had also made a conscious decision prior to that to be more that liaison between the agency and the clients that were looking for this creative space yeah. that we could help them get there but still make it strategically sound so that it wasn't just talk value yeah. of the commercial, that it was actually going to be meaningful for the brand. Um, we started, you know, we tell this story a lot and... Um, anybody who's at my office are going to go, oh my God, not that story. <laughs> um, but years ago, we were doing some work for Anheuser-Busch and like all good creative people, uh, we were whining incessantly about the way the research was getting done. It's like, you're killing right. us. You know, right. this, this, our, we have this beautiful baby and you're yeah. telling us it's ugly. And yeah. you know, it was all that <laughs> stuff. And so our client at the time said, well, you know, if you think you're so good, why don't you go in that room and you talk to those consumers. You, you just see how you do in there. Right. So we were just, um, I would say cocky enough and naive enough to think that we could actually do that. Mm -hmm. right. Go into the room, Go focus in, yeah. group never room. done, never <laughs> show them to, our never, work. Right. See so how they say, that's funny. I, but I loved it. And so, so this we, is the moment where you yeah, was like, it was, like it, was, it, was the, it was it. It was like, you, Oh wow. my gosh, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. Went back to the agency that day, said, guys, we're going to do this. And they all went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to do that? I'm not doing that. So uh, we made the change. Um, wow. We got very tiny. <laughs> Were you showing your work change. in that room? No, no. Was no, it your personal no, your agency's work? Yeah, no. I, well, it was. At the first time sure. it was. Yeah, the first time it was. But then later, <laughs> you know, you start showing other people's yeah, work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they actually, uh, you know, as Steve and I were working with people, the agency started going, well, that's... Those are the guys we want to work with yeah. because they get what we're doing and they're not killing us in there. You yeah. know, they're, they're actually inspiring the creativity and not crippling it. And so from there, you know, we just kept building it up and building it up. And so the, it, it has grown now. I mean, we've been doing over 25% a year growth for seven straight years, 34 the last two years. That's crazy. We had 45 people there. Um, and, it's and been, it's been, a, but it took a long time. Yeah. I mean, everybody goes, oh my gosh, you just sort of exploded on the scene. It's like, mm, no, <laughs> we've no, been exploded over 15 years. No, years yeah. no, we've That's been fine. working this a little bit. It's just, it took a long time to get that critical mass. You know, you, you grow something, uh, it, it grows exponentially. Mm -hmm. You can grow 25% a year. It just yeah. keeps, you know, you, you kind of wish your stock portfolio looked yeah. like that, you know? No, I was just going to tell my story when I met him. It's probably around that time. <laughs> it was around that time, yeah. And we were in, I just remember being in a room, we were launching Bacardi Silver or some, right. I think it was Bacardi Silver. But it was. And, and we didn't, I didn't know who you were. And I was the young copywriter with the adults down at this big meeting. So I was just happy to be there like, oh, this is awesome. We're going to make a TV spot. It's so cool. But I remember the people at the agency, my agency, which Momentum, they were wary of the you guys at the beginning of this meeting. Like, who are these guys? And why are they there? You know, and, you're, yeah. you're in those meetings with different agencies and every agency is trying to make the other agencies look bad or whatever, you know? Right. So it was one of those kind of things. But I remember you, I remember you brought 
because we somebody said something and it was like trying to disparage something that you said in that agency world of knife fighting and territorial whatever. But I remember you handled it so well. And I was like, oh, that guy was great. And then all the stuff you brought for that project was really great. And then I was like, oh, yeah. It was like the first time I had seen planning, strategy, positioning really held on to in a, in a way to create great work. And I've had great planners and strategists and I've had horrible ones that don't help at all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always wary, like, oh, you really want a good one. And so it's it's interesting that you've taken that entire function. Yeah, because, you know, here's the thing about planning and all the, you know, agencies all have planners. And yeah. believe me, they are some really talented and wonderful people. One of the things we recognized early on is that no matter how great the planner is, that client doesn't really trust them all the way yeah. because they know that they work for an ad agency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They know that that planner ultimately has to talk to the creative director and say, look, this is what I think we need to do. And yeah. the creative director can go, you know what? Here's the campaign. <laughs> Here's what we need to do. Right. We need to Make get consumers work. to think this is a hell of an mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. You got it? Yeah. And so the client knows that. Mm -hmm. So the role that we can play is, is truly objective. I mean, we walk in and say, you know, I know this is what you think you need to do. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm -hmm. And and client, I know you think that that's crazy, but neither one of you are crazy, but neither one of you are right. So let's figure this thing out, you know? And so we have become, uh, we, we do work in that sort of this yeah. sort of gray space. And um, we're, we're not afraid at all to tell an ad agency that their baby is ugly. But at the same time, we're not at all afraid to tell the client that that crazy looking baby is going to make them it's millions amazing. of dollars. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what you got to be thinking about. That's yeah. the I think insights are, a thousand times harder to get than yeah. great advertising campaigns. Oh God. And you know, I, oh, I can yeah. count five great insights that I've worked on and probably created hundreds of campaigns around these things that you yeah. discover. So, you know, we, we, the, the whole idea of insight yeah. has been abducted. Yeah. And what I mean by that is think about the word creative for just a minute. A creative can be a person. Oh, mm -hmm. he's a creative person or she's a creative person. It can be something you do. I think I'll work on this creative. Yeah. It can be an adjective. I am creative. Mm -hmm. It can be a department. Mm -hmm. It could be a piece of advertising. Yeah. It's, it's a all campaign itself. So yeah. you know what it is? It's ubiquitous now. Yeah. Well, insights the same way. There are insight departments. There's insights that people think they've gathered, which is a whole nother thing. I will try not to go off on. <laughs> and then there's just this idea that every observation that one hears or every belief that one hears is an insight because yeah. that's not it. That's just simply not true. And insight happens after all the interviews, after all looking at the world around you and our culture and, and, it, and, and all the competitive landscape. And then after you've done all of that, that's when you then achieve, not gather, mm -hmm. achieve insight. Mm -hmm. And so truthfully, uh, your point about having five good insights, uh -huh. I would agree with that. And in fact, during our report outs to people, we, we say, we don't let our, our folks ever talk about insights. Ah, we take the plural out of it. Right. Because you're lucky if you get so one mm -hmm. insight mm -hmm. out of all that work. I agree. And, and you only need one. You only need one. Because that's the one you leverage. And then this mm -hmm. whole notion of actionable insights, that's such BS. Because if you look up the word <laughs> insight in a, in a, um, in a dictionary, it's, it is a, a thought or a belief that you can leverage to change someone's behavior. That's heavy. Well, therefore, every insight is actionable. 
right? By yeah. definition. Yeah, yeah. And so what we call ours is creative insight because we, every, you know, almost all the creative strategists in our company have ad agency backgrounds. They're either planners, mm-hmm. uh, creative directors, writers. Uh, we, we have some that come from the, the marketing world. Usually they've worked on some pretty major brands or something. But, but they all know what it takes to create advertising. Mm-hmm. And then as a result... What we're, able, what we're able to do is take that insight, that belief that can be leveraged, put it through another filter that takes it to a much more important place, which is now you as a client and you as an agency can align on that. Yeah. And then that's when the really, I think, the magic. You know, some of the magic mm-hmm. happens, yeah. right? That's exciting. Do your clients ever ask you for agency recommendations or do they generally have agencies they already work with? I, well, certainly... Uh, more of them have agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have long-standing relationships with their agencies. Some of them go through agencies like their underwear, you know, they're changing them pretty regularly. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. they have some pretty long-standing relationships. We like that. Yeah. And we, we would prefer that. We have had people ask for recommendations. We've been on uh, reviews, agency reviews. That's an interesting mm-hmm. one where you sit in on the review. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where well, everybody come... shows all yeah. this stuff. I, re- I just sit there thinking, oh my God, I remember how horrible that yeah, was. Yeah, right. so horrible. And now there's another knucklehead in the room and I don't know why he's there. Right. You know that? If I were the creative <laughs> oh, people, I'd be going, oh God, not him. Why <laughs> yeah. is he there? And we brought this nice. outside yeah. consultant. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, really? God, but it's yeah. nice to be on that side awesome. of the table, I guess. For yeah. Yeah. Do you, when agencies pitch, when you sit through these pitches, is there something they do right and something they do wrong? Is there one thing you're like, listen to me, people, you're all the same or no, this is really what you need to highlight it does all look the same right i'm sorry yeah it does. Uh, and i'm sure it does when we present our stuff we've really <laughs> you know we've really tried really hard it's kind of funny um they they do they try to do something splashy up front yeah. you know to get everybody's attention and then they're going to tell you all these different things one of, one of the things i've noticed uh this is in the pharma world they mm. talk a lot about roi now Okay. Which I, I mean, that was not an issue for me. In other mm-hmm. words, they'd say, if we, we run this campaign, we expect this X amount of return on my investment. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's well, you know, like actuary type stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Just they're, they're for... putting their feet to the fire. The right. clients are saying, right. if you're going to do this work with us, mm-hmm. you have to achieve X. Wow. And we, and, and then it, now that's, well, that's because, hard, man. Yeah. Work wasn't measurable. For right. a long time. Right? I mean, you could get, well, did people, you get you know, recall scores and, you know, and whatever motivation they thought they could get from that, which is, that's another form of BS. But they would, uh, now they're, they really are saying, so we want to see when you put your plan together, mm-hmm. I want to see that return on investment. And a lot of that has to do with media buying and, and yeah. other things. But because these, yeah. think about this, I mean, if you work on a, let's say you're in the pharma world, you, there might only be. I don't know, 10,000 people in the United States that could use that drug. Right. And yet they want to advertise it. It's like... Well, I mean, that is that is a small number mm-hmm. of people yeah. that you're trying to talk to and then they're doctors. Right. And how do you make the split between talking to the patients, the patient's families and the doctors? And then you guys all laugh at all that horrible copy that's in those pharma ads and that's I, I the FDA. That copy, that's just, the <laughs> FDA requires that for yeah. uh, right. It's equal yeah, it's not, time. You have to give equal. They call it fair balance. Yeah. You have to have equal time to the side effects. To the, the side effects, which are the yeah. same side effects for every drug. People, let me just say <laughs> yeah. that. Like, oh no, they are. You're gonna bleed <laughs> like, one way or the other. Yeah. 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 Well, that's because anything that happens yeah. during that clinical trial while yeah. they're doing it. If any, if some guy. <laughs> 
literally catches a cold right. during the, the 12 month clinical trial, right. they have to say, That's what Oh, happened. you can get, you know, whatever kind Blue of cold. Symptoms or yes. yeah, whatever. And then, or if somebody happens, I mean, I hate to say it, but if somebody commits suicide during that time yeah. frame, then they say, May cause suicide. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, those guys, again, we love to bash them. Yeah. Everybody's saying, and, you know, oh my gosh, they're creating drugs that are causing more problems. And no, they're not. Yeah. Is every drug a good drug? No. No, there are some that have caused problems. Yeah. But generally speaking, they've saved far more lives yeah. than they've hurt. It, it's yeah. a, there, there's a lot of miracle. I mean, truly miracle, miraculous. Oh, it's amazing. Changing people's lives. Changing people's yeah. lives in, in a real way in yeah. so many different areas. Yeah. I go back to Shantex, which was this drug I used to quit smoking. Oh, right. And it was amazing. Right. I was a dedicated smoker. And then two weeks later, I wasn't. And I was like... And how are we doing now? Yeah, good. No, I haven't had a cigarette in a long, long, long time. That's but it's great. Weird. But it's I just mean, like, that's amazing. I don't, exactly. What now would we you, just choose tobacco. Choose tobacco. Now we just shoot nicotine. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. I mean, what was I that mean, worth to you? A, yeah. yeah, exactly. What was, what that, was worth? that worth to you? How many years of my life did that save? How many yeah. dollars did that save? How and many just in cigarettes alone. Cigarettes, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And the smell of your car and your house yeah. and your family. and all. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the drug worked is a mirror. I mean, it's amazing when they describe how they... That's crazy. So the next question comes from our sponsor, Bob. We have a sponsor for the show, Creative what? Circle. They're Wonderful. A, I know, yeah. right? Our sponsor, Creative Circle is a creative staffing agency. Brands come to them with projects that require talent, creative stuff like design, writing, UX, all that stuff. They're the largest creative staffing company in the world. Um, simply by partnering with Creative Circle, those brands are more quickly able to get the talent they need to get stuff done. So for you, Creative Circle wants to know for you, what's next? You've been in the industry for a while. What's next for the research industry? What's next for the industry that you are in, do you think? Artificial intelligence. That's coming. I'm, I'm not kidding. No, no. Yeah, no, it's real. And the, everybody, that, that's, what, that's the big fear in the industry right now is that there's going to be all these loss of jobs because yeah. the computers are going to think for us. And, you know, we don't necessarily play in the, we don't, we don't do any quantitative research to speak of. I mean, occasionally yeah. we get some, I mean, we're doing, doing a thing big for, data crunchers. No, no, that's not our, our it's deal. Not thing. Um, but, but we do a ton of surveys and communities and things of that nature and how we utilize that is going to be everything to us. Um, our business started out as just a doing qual, you know, face-to-face mm -hmm. uh, -face interviews yeah. and that's uh, probably 60% of what we do now. Uh, so much of our work is done in a digital world or, or so much of our business is influenced by technology. Mm -hmm. And so um, somebody today, and I forget, I'm not, I, don't, I can't give this credit to this quote to the, I don't know who said it, but everybody's in the technology business mm -hmm. now. Yeah. I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you're facing technology. That's just the reality of it. And that is... Um, that's us. I mean, that's who we are. So being on the forefront of that, we don't have to create the technology, but we have to be better at using it than anyone else. And that's really critical. So understanding how artificial intelligence can help us. See, we're okay with that. We don't need, we don't have 25 people in a room doing s some kind of programming thing. We'd love it if, it, if we didn't right, need to worry right. about that part yeah. of it. So I think that is the, the, the future will we'll be in that. Mm -hmm. Now, how we utilize that, I, I don't, we haven't, uh, don't have it. We have a, um, we have different ways that we do things now. We have our, you talked about before, innovation. Mm -hmm. We have an innovation lab. Um, it's actually a mobile prototyping unit uh, where we can bring people in um, 
we can park this thing on a Walmart parking lot, uh, work with uh, somebody from Frito-Lay, design new potato chips and products, and, and then bring customers in while our, these printers are printing new potato chips. I'm, I'm not kidding. It is fascinating. Wow. And so we've done some of this work. We just won an award with Merck for a new package design. And, and what we do is, you know, it's all about failing faster yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in innovation. The goal, what, what we used to, remember we did mm-hmm. those packages with Anna's Bush and yeah. you'd come up with some ideas and six weeks later you get a prototype and then three weeks later you'd get the, the bottle that costs $3,000. Right. And we're doing all that in minutes. Wow. You know, and yeah. all of that in minutes. Anything that you can draw... If you can make it two-dimensional, we can make it three-dimensional, you know, in, in an hour. And all of that time that used to go into that is gone. It's wiped out. So, again, did we create digital printers? No. Mm-hmm. Are we using them to our advantage? Yes. Uh, have we found ways to actually print food? Yes. Um, it won't be a hamburger with ketchup <laughs> and everything. But, yeah, I was going to say, but, print um, me a Snickers bar and I'm in. Yeah, yeah, but we can print. We can, And I wouldn't eat it, by the way. I don't know that I'd eat it after we print it. <laughs> I'm not saying it would taste good. I'm just saying that we can do it. it but it's fun purpose. stuff. I yeah. mean, technology is just so much a part of what we're doing. It is crazy. Right. So in your um, in your office space, um, you have a full-on research facility, focus group facility, right? Yeah. Tell us more about that. So we have Ooh. the research uh, lab. And the, the lab, we call it a lab because and when we built it... Do you use the lab? Unlike yes. any innovation company, the innovation lab is the quietest place <laughs> in the company. No, 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 no. no, no. Yours. Actually, it's legit. In, it, we use it it's a legit. lot. Okay. Um, we we wanted a place that we could work and and try things and experiment because you know we 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 like to run pilots and things like that. If we're going to go out and do focus groups, we wanted a place that if we had to, mm-hmm. we could try that. That was the initial thinking. And we thought if we could make enough money to pay for it over the course of the building or five years or whatever, great. Yeah. It, it has definitely paid out. But more importantly, kind of the crazy thing is prior to building that, we never had a client visit our office, but maybe twice or three times in all the years prior to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now our clients are at our facility a lot. So they get to see our people. They yeah. get to meet more of our people. They get to see these amazing, this amazing space. It's gorgeous yeah. space. Wow. And they walk in, they go, wow, you guys are a real company. <laughs> because in our business, mm-hmm. you only see the person you're working with. It's not like the ad agency, yeah. you know, eight guys go up. There's a, you know, yeah. there, there's a big there's dog a show. and pony show. Yeah. And, and they expect to go to your space once in a while because it's fun. They want to see that mm-hmm. creative space. In the research business, Nobody ever sees your office or meets anybody besides the person who happened to go up there. Yeah. So now they're in our space. They see who we are, how we are. We've, we do, um, in our digital lab, we do a, a, a lot of UX stuff on websites. It's, there's only um, one other lab comparable to it in the United States. That's uh, the Time Warner Wow. Lab in New York. Heard of that. Um, and and we have a, a very comparable, we actually like ours better, but that's a little bit, no question. <laughs> it's a biased opinion, um, but because it, it, it does different things. And we're now we're getting ready to move again, and we're expanding that space as well. Wow, where are you moving? Well, we're moving all the way two buildings over. <laughs> so we used to be, well, we are currently in the building where Joe Bucks used to be. Oh yeah. So there yep. and a couple's building. Yep. And now we're going into the one where Flying Saucer and, um, you know, so it's, it's nice. Right we're, down there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very good. So Osborne Bar is in there, yep. and it's really cool. And amazingly, that building is twice the size of the building we're in now. Is it? Right. That's Would you weird. have guessed that? No. No. I thought it, they were all I the know. same size. No. No, it's twice the footprint. Mm. So we were going to, we were looking at taking two floors on our building, mm -hmm. and instead we could get 20,000 square feet on one building. That's awesome. And it's wonderful. So now we'll all be on one floor instead cool. of two. Yeah. So I have a process question. Sure. Because you see a lot of agencies pitch. And you see a lot of processes, I'm sure, like, here's how we do our magic. Oh, yeah. And I've always thought, thought it funny in the creative department that I, I never, they, they show me what our process is. And I'm like, I don't know if that's how we actually did it ever. Or you backed it or whatever. But I, I'm sure it's a, there is a rigorous process on your side of the business, correct? Oh, very much. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we have a couple of things that, that we really love doing with our clients. We have some processes, frankly, that we've been using since, since we started getting into the research business. And, yeah. and they were built based on, well, what would we need? If we were creating ads, yeah. what would we need? How would we want it to look? For example, one of the processes that we do, uh, which is around optimizing and evaluating ad campaigns, uh, we designed it because we were old creative guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, how would you want it? How would you want your work evaluated? How would you want your work optimized? So we built something that got rid of all the beauty contest things. We never ask a consumer, well, did you like that? Yeah. We, we, ne we never want to know if they like it. doesn't matter if they like it or not. That's not why we're in there. Right. We're in there to understand what it communicates. So we built a whole process around that. Um, probably the most fascinating process that we have is one that's called Values Link. Mm -hmm. um, what it does is it links, it finds the link between your personal values as a consumer, whatever, whether that you're a surgeon or a mm -hmm. beer drinker, mm -hmm. you know, it's, but you're still a consumer mm -hmm. and the brand that they're trying to advertise. And the interview is, uh, it's about an hour and a half long. The first half of the interview is just about you and your personal values and who you are as a person. And then you begin linking those, uh, you, you begin l linking those beliefs and those attitudes and those values to why they make certain brand purchases. Mm. And what's amazing is if you interviewed a Budweiser drinker mm -hmm. and a Heineken drinker, you would see the difference. We did some work with wow. Porsche. You could see the difference between a Porsche buyer and a, and a, a BMW buyer. I mean, Based they have very different values. value yeah. systems wow. and structures in line. Yeah. Um, it, it is really, and it's an amazing interview um, because you, uh, you really dig into the soul of mm -hmm. a person. And I would say... Then that first 45 minutes, I've never worked on a project where somebody didn't tear up during the interview. Wow. I mean, and I'm, I'm talking tearing even, up right now. <laughs> yeah. Even, <laughs> even uh, interviewing surgeons and OBGYNs yeah. and people that you go, we were in China where they said, oh, this will never work. I mean, no one's going to open up and tell you anything. Like these women are like bawling and saying, oh, you know, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty fascinating yeah. interview. And, and, uh, and you, you learn uh, some pretty crazy stuff about people along the way, but yeah. it's, um, I think it's people fun. want to tell their stories. Oh my gosh. Don't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's the other thing. It's always been funny. You know, we've, Steve and I st started the, and, and, uh, we'd have clients say, well, this product is for women and, yeah. and we'll have to be interviewing women. And, and we think we should put women in the room. Right. And Steve and I were like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't think that's really true. Well, what we have agreed to, yeah. and our whole company agrees to this, women 
love to talk to men about their personal problems <laughs> because there's not because there's an insight ladies and gentlemen right here will never do this right. their spouse <laughs> when, when was the last time Jennifer you sat for 45 minutes with a man and talked to you talk to him about your period or, or, I did it at lunch or, or, right. I did it at lunch yeah. with me yeah, at but, lunch yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean it's like or talk or you know talk yeah. about your birth control needs or, or frankly constipation that was like the craziest one we've ever done and they just they, and they just love it it's like oh I never get to talk to anybody like this and yeah. they just pour their hearts out yeah. for, for 45 minutes. And, and you, then you go, hey, by the way, we have to talk about chewing gum right now. I, I, and they're like, oh my God, really? I thought we were here to talk about me. You know, and it's that actually, awesome. and this is, uh, you guys can cut this if you want, but I'll tell you, here's my favorite anecdote uh, out of this. Um, we were interviewing women with allergies uh, and we were in Nashville and I was interviewing this woman. And one of the questions that uh, we asked was, so, um, Tell me, you know, tell me, you know, in life you have little worries, you have big worries. Um, tell me, tell me a little worry. Mm -hmm. And this woman said, well, um, and by the way, she's a beautiful young woman in her mid thirties, really neat, fun to talk to. And she said, you know, my son uh, has Asperger's mm -hmm. and at school, he's just not getting along with people. And it's just, oh, it's been killing me. And I thought that's yeah. her little worry. Like yeah. where, where's yeah. this going? You right, know, so right. then I said, well, then what's your big worry? And she said, finding a hot lesbian in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to look at this woman with a straight face and go, and, really? that, uh, and why is that so difficult? You know? And in the meantime, the back room, you know, there's 12 people yeah, behind yeah, me right? watching yeah. this interview, you know, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> they're all, you know, it's like the glass is shaking because they're oh all laughing God. so oh hard. And, it's and she was really bothered by that. She was an attractive uh, yeah. lesbian woman and yeah. she just felt like there weren't any hot lesbian women wow. in Nashville. I hope there are now. I hope she found I one. I hope me too. Yeah. So too like, yeah. oh, Can you do that uh, <laughs> values link process on the American voter? Yeah. Um, well, we did actually run a study with the Trump and Hillary people did here. Did you? Yeah, we did. We talked to over 100 people at, at the Trump rally mm -hmm. just on our own. Yeah. And we asked, this is pretty remarkable. We asked them, we gave uh, them uh, about 15 to 20 personality traits mm -hmm. that we thought best expressed the personality traits of their candidate. Yep. So we went to the Hillary supporters and gave them the 20 personality traits. We gave them to the Trump supporters. Right. And we said, now pick the top traits that ex explain who your candidate is. And you know what? They picked the same traits for both. Wow. Mm. They wow. both said they're direct, they're objective. It was, but it's how they designed it. Yeah. They, they, so if you were Trump, you hit, you mm -hmm. saw it one way. Mm -hmm. And if you were a Hillary supporter, you saw it another way. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating that they came out in the same place, but how they but their view of it was totally different as to how they got there. Wow. But when it was just picking the traits, yeah. that's what it was. So interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, but that American voter thing is a big issue. Yeah. 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 So Jen and I do work with companies or we have worked together on companies and every company internally wants their people to get closer to the customer. It is this yeah. massive trend. So I'm sure, oh, and, yeah. and corporations aren't very good at it. They're nope. not set up to be that nope. way, right? They make no. things, they have a, pipeline, they manufacture stuff. And yeah. so I'm sure this is the big trend in, in corporate is the whole DYI thing is very important to people doing their own research. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, when you have things like SurveyMonkey, it's free. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that, you know, it is very much like, yeah. why is it that everyone who 
picks up a pen thinks they're a writer kind of thing. Do you know what I <laughs> right, mean? Yes. Right. Um, and that's an old Ansel. I'm, I'm paraphrasing an old Ansel Adams quote because he complained that everyone who picks up a flute isn't a flautist, but everyone <laughs> who picks up a camera thinks they're a damn photographer. You <laughs> right, know? So right. that is true. Um, but but in, um, in our business now, there's so much of the DIY type work yeah. and research is not getting more expensive. It's getting less expensive and data is just everywhere. Yeah. And we're finding that that works to our benefit okay. because the more inundated they get by all the information they're getting, they're not getting the insight yeah. that they truly mm-hmm. need. What yeah. they're getting is information and confusion. Yeah. Uh, they're not really getting clarity and insight. And if you were, if, so if, if I'm a company knowing that I need to do that, what do you look at these companies and say, oh, they're just missing out. Just as a basic, don't know how to do research or don't know how to pull it together, or it's just taking all of this data and finding something. That's where the creativity that you guys provide. It is. And so again, we don't see it as our job to inform our clients yeah. at all. Not, not even a little bit. Our job is to inspire our clients. Our job, mm. one of the things we learned early in the process is that we, we can't change them. We, we can't solve their problems for them. Um, what, what we can do is shed some light on the situation they're in and we can give them that insight yeah. that could literally change their business. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a belief that if you leverage it, could actually change someone's behavior, yeah. right? Yeah. And we can give them that. And if we can get them all aligned on that, then we don't, we're not the ones who solve the problem. We just gave them the, the path yeah, yeah. to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, like anything else, if you make someone think it's their idea, they're more likely to do it, right? <laughs> And so that's what we do. We, we, we make sure people believe this is their idea. They take ownership yeah. in this and say, yeah, this, everybody's right here. You know, yeah. this, is, this is how we have to do it. Yeah. And it just makes all of our lives that much, much easier. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I know you travel tons and tons, and as you've described, and your, your clients are all over the world. Um, where is the most interesting place that you've been, let's say, in the last 12 months? Ooh, um, 12 months. Well, I love Rome and I, so that would always be Rome. I don't care how many times you go to Rome. It's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always another amazing restaurant to find. Nice. Maybe, uh, you know, you haven't been, you haven't traveled until you've gone to China because that whole thing about it's the other side of the world. That is very true. <laughs> there is nothing quite like it. I would say India, um, is the most, and, I, and I'll quote uh, Mr. Nalo here, India is the most amazing, uh, effed up place you'll ever see <laughs> in your life. It is so fascinating. Outdoor, you know, th- uh, outdoor laundries that go for blocks and blocks, yeah. one giant laundry, and everybody's clothes are hanging out there, and all your hotel sheets are hanging out there, yeah. and yet you can't see six blocks because of the pollution, and yet that's where they're air drying. Yeah, it's yeah. just right. so crazy. You get in traffic jams with camels. I mean, it's just an <laughs> odd, odd, you know, the cow walks by and everybody's got to stop. I mean, it is... Sounds like Arkansas. But uh, the most... Uh, it sounds like Arkansas. The most... Uh, I think the most... Uh, the place that kind of touched me the most was uh, Johannesburg. It's really dangerous. Um, we actually had full-time bodyguards. Wow. Um, and that was kind of an odd yeah, feeling. Odd and then I got the bodyguard to take me into some of the townships. Mm-hmm. And those townships are places that... So let's say you're a wealthy man and or woman or family and you, you own a fairly large plot of ground, mm-hmm. uh, big enough that you can't necessarily see all of it at any one point. And within a few weeks or months, there's a village 
setting up on your property mm. and you can't get them out. There might be 10, 20,000 people living there by the time you see it, wow. right? And it's all put together with cardboard and pieces of material and metal and old fences and yeah. stuff. And, and it's, there's a thriving city going on in there without, mostly without electric, yeah. probably not running water. I mean, it's brutally, brutally poor. And I wanted to visit some. I wanted to go see. I wanted to see what was in there. And is this I, out of your own curiosity, or is oh, this for yeah. clients? No, I, I just, had, you just wanted to go. Yeah, there? I wanted to go. Yeah, and the because you're also a photographer and shoot all I this am, stuff. I okay, am, yeah, I'm a photographer. Yeah. I love it, and I just want to flautist, see it. We heard and a flautist. <laughs> yes. Um, and and the bodyguards going like, I don't really think you're going to want to go in there. I go, no, I really do. So yeah. we're driving in there once, and uh, and it's terrifying. I mean, you look around you and, and, it, and it's so sad. It's yeah. so sad. And we're driving and I've got my camera and I'm shooting away, looking at stuff. And we're still in the car though at this point. And all of a sudden I hear this young, tiny little voice going, shoot me, shoot me. And I went, oh my God, like what's going on yeah. over there? And then I turn, there's this little African boy, maybe mm -hmm. like five. Yeah. He's got a big smile on his face. He saw I had a camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to shoot him. I, I thought there was violence. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. thinking somebody's getting <laughs> murdered here. You know, <laughs> stop the car. We got to save this kid's life. And he's like beaming, you know. <laughs> so I'm taking his picture in front of his house, which was a made out of uh, cardboard and, yeah. and old fence posts. Yeah. I mean, uh. it was, but you know, you see that and it changes your life. You know, when you see that kind of. Yeah life and poverty and you realize like, yeah, and I'm complaining about my latte here. Right. You know, I'm right. like, it wasn't as hot as it was yesterday. And this guy's living, you know, mm -hmm. without water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it changes puts, your life. Yeah. Puts things into perspective. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Wow. Yeah. Is there, when you travel around the world, just, is there a place that you find uh, is doing insights and in marketing? <laughs> better where you're like oh this is they really got well this the brits part of will it all say they do it better because they do everything better and especially when it comes to advertising yeah, besides and, the brits yeah um no, no you know honestly, I, when I, I worked in europe and i found that they like to yeah. discuss you things at, more where, you, yeah. where'd you work you i worked, worked in london yeah. but i just found the whole european experience interesting because i think they love to do more planning they, they'd plan for years right they love to plan right. i mean but they hated to execute and right. over here it just seemed like working at the brewery at that time, they'll spend money and didn't oh, matter. Yeah. They like to execute and put things right. in market. Yeah. So it was just a totally fascinating. Yeah. Ready, shoot, aim. You know, <laughs> exactly. that's the Anheuser-Busch way of doing it. Yeah. Right, right. But yes, yeah, so I just wondered if you've, around no, the world. You know, I think most places, um, I, th I think actually the most difficult place for us often is uh, China or Japan. Yeah. Um, just culturally and language-wise. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, they just really are very different, you know? So mm -hmm. when we're working there, you've got to be so respectful of, of their, of their culture and how mm -hmm. it works and just how they think about life so differently. I mean, we, we were doing some allergy work there, uh, with one of our clients and there, if you, if you have allergies, that means you're weak and poor, wow. like your body is weak yeah. and poor. In other words, they don't see that. Like we go, Oh yeah, I got allergies. Well, that beats the heck out of having a cold. Right. You know what I mean? Right. At least I'm not sick. I just have allergies. Yeah. Right. There, it's like, you have allergies. Oh, there must be something wrong with wow. you. So, you know, you just realize you have to have this whole you run into different, different culture and yeah. how they think about it. Um, Russia's got its own vibe, but it, it still has at least a sense of being Western, mm -hmm. but not not China or Japan. Well, it's just not nothing like here. So you have to have a whole different thought process when you're working there. Do you work with consultants that help you understand those oh, cultural absolutely. differences? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we would never... 
you know, if we're in an English speaking country, our creative strategists do all the research themselves. But when you're in, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to try to do that in Russia. We're not going to try yeah. to find English speaking respondents. Um, yeah. Now we did do a job in Dubai. Uh, it was, it was, it was a pharma project and we were talking to uh, surgeons in Dubai and they were from all over the Middle East. They were there for some big conference. Mm -hmm. We brought them in and we were doing it. And they actually wanted to do the interviews in English. The surgeons did okay. because they were all taught English. Yeah. That's how they got their medical degrees, was yeah. all, many of them in the U.S. Yeah. And so that was the only time we've ever been in a uh, country that didn't, that English wasn't its first language, that we actually did the interviews in English. But everywhere else, we, and we have people in um, every continent that we work with, uh, not so much in Africa, for, honestly, but in the, all the other continents, and never Antarctica. We've never, never done a group. <laughs> I haven't there. been to Never Antarctica. been to Antarctica. Okay. Um, but if you go anywhere else, we have uh, very, very longstanding, great teams of people that uh, work with us every time we're in those That's countries. Cool. So we've, I think we're, um, I forget how many countries now, but it's pretty remarkable. It's, it's really, I mean, it's a blast. You know, if you're a young person and you don't mind the travel and you, you know, it's not a bad gig to... You know, what if you're an old the, person the, and you don't uh, mind the travel? Yeah, one of the young folks that works for us, I think it was like her 23rd birthday, and she's in Paris. Mm. Not a bad gig, you know, might have been 24. I mean, she, might, she might have already been 24. But, I mean, you know, not yeah. a bad way to spend your birthday, you know? Yeah. Do you end up hiring, um, you know, you described having almost 50 employees, right? Yep. Um, do you end up using freelancers from time to time yep. or contract employees? Almost never. Um, it's a rare, yeah, we're just, that's not our gig. Um, we have proprietary processes that we're very proud of that we've spent an incredible amount of time nurturing and caring for and evolving. And we have probably the most rigorous training program uh, you, you can't imagine. I mean, people that have been in the business for, uh, as a planner, we hired someone recently who has been a planner longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she goes through the same training process that the 22-year-old out of college goes through. And it takes, it takes months to, to teach that. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't let them run those projects until they're so versed in it and they can't be there. You know, even, I mean, literally the 23-year-old might have to teach the 50-year-old how to do this thing, right, right? Right, And that's just how it works. And that, I think that's actually... Uh, we, we have kind of a, this is, sounds almost ridiculous and I better find some wood or something, but we haven't had a person leave our company in 15 years. So no one's quit our company in 15 years. Wow. Um, we have fired a number of people, about six during that time, but no one's quit. And I think it's because of just the incredible level of empathy that each of these guys have for themselves, for each other. I mean, mm -hmm. um, there's uh, there's there, there's a lot of empowerment there. They can they they know that they're in charge mm -hmm. of how these projects work. And just imagine this, Jeff. Every six weeks, you got a new gig. Yeah. So you're not on that. You're not creating ads for nine months or yeah. two years yeah. or whatever or three years, and because yeah. the client's like, oh, you can't leave. Every six weeks, it's a whole new thing. You yeah. might be one, you're working on, you know, an yeah. oncology drug one minute and the next job you're doing pet food. Yeah. You know, it's just, you're all over. Yeah. Which and, is so and cool. they're all in charge of their yeah. own projects. Yeah. And then 
uh, and then just our education program. I mean, what we put them through in the training and the ongoing. Today was TED Talk Thursdays. Every Thursday, there's a TED Talk. Uh, somebody gets to pick their TED Talk, and whoever wants to go to lunch and do TED Talk, you know, they get mm-hmm. to hear the talk. And it's just, it's such an ongoing sense. And I, you know, for me personally, I'm learning every day. And I think when those things happen, you, you stay. There's no reason to go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. we've been growing, so the salaries are nice. You know, that's, yeah. that never that's hurts. Nice. Yeah, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. That's exciting. That is it awesome. Is. All right. What is there a big future move you got cooking? You're moving to a new space. Moving to a new space. That's exciting. Double our space. Um, double your size. Yeah. Yeah. What's your big goal for 17? Yeah. Um, so we've been just from a, just a, a sheer fee standpoint, um, we've been trying to grow 25%. That's been our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty certain that we'll hit that again in 17. I, again, got to watch what you say, because I think in 2009, we thought we'd do that, you know, and, yeah. right. and it wasn't so pretty. Right. Um, but I, that's that. But I, personally, there's there's other goals. You know, our we we want all of those people that we're talking about to feel as engaged and as educated as possible. I I would I would like to see us find new ways to reach people. And um, everybody wants it, you know, cheaper, better, faster. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Um, we're working with our steering committee and 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 trying to get trying to answer where this industry is going. And where where can we continue to play? And, I, and my goal for this year would be to walk walk away saying I have a really great idea of what the future of this industry, how it might look, mm-hmm. and and the role that we'll have in it. And I know that might seem like, well, shouldn't you know that now? But I think we've I think we've stayed on the top of that wave. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to get past that now. You know, mm-hmm. so we're we're at a point where Steve and I realize we have to get beyond just being a little more of the creative kind of vibe um, and really continuing to find better ways to get that client aligned and and executing in ways that they never dreamed they would. So I'm not sure exactly what that entails yet. And that might've been like a really crappy answer. But, no, no um, but it's, you know, I don't have you a lot your, of goals yeah. in the, uh, me personally, I want, I, my goal is to walk away learning more. I want to be smarter by the end of 17 than I am today. Nice. Cool. Where's your next trip? Uh, Philadelphia. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We spend a lot of time in that area because we have three clients. Both. It's ironic. J&J, Merck, and BMS, who are our three biggest clients, are all in that. That's the airport you fly into. So it's that's that's about a couple times a month. Um, We are supposed to potentially be in Australia this year. And I know some of our guys, uh, Brad and Fuller and Jonathan Bloom and Brooke, Mm -hmm. those guys are in Europe all the time. And, you know, that's the other thing. My travel's way back, believe it or not. No one in my office believes me, but... Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Well, thank you. This went way faster than I expected and (laughs) wasn't near as painful as I... Yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully far less painful. (laughs) So thank you very much. Remember to check out our sponsors at Creative Circle, named the largest creative staffing agency in the country in 2015. They've got offices from St. Louis to Chicago to New York to San Francisco and everywhere in between. Check out their website and live creative at creativecircle.com. Creative Circle.